All right, welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is another edition, another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight, where we're at CEO 114-115, something like that. And my co-host, as always, Stephen Marsh, joining me from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, where I'm guessing, Stephen, it's almost the same temperature, if not identical, up there. Yes, that's a, probably a little bit uh, cooler than it is, but they're saying it's going to uh, warm up uh, this weekend. It's, it was, I think, 104 today maybe here. Uh, it's 99 right now, but I'm looking at the forecast for this weekend. 111 for Saturday, 114 for Sunday. I think that's just hot by any standards. So, yep, it's that time of the year, though. It's July, but we're still talking hockey, though. Yeah, absolutely we are. Um, all kinds of things happening tonight. We have another uh, – Great guest coming on. We've had him on a couple of times. We've, uh, let's see, we had him back in March. We had him, I think, in May. So it's like on a, every two-month rotation, we bring on uh, the commissioner of the Western Collegiate Hockey League and Chris Perry. Um, so why not, why wait? Let's just bring him on and see what he says. Chris, Scott, and Stephen with you tonight. How are you? I'm all right, guys. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> Woo-hoo. All right, success. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. I'm doing. All right. I'm glad I'm not out there in the, uh, the those temperatures that Stephen was just describing. Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a real burner here. And if you're out in the uh, outlying areas, you're seeing some smoke from, from fires burning all around us. So uh, it's typical uh, summer in the desert, I guess. But the flip um, side of that, Scott, is, is and and Chris, is that when everyone's freezing in the wintertime, we're nice and warm. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's hey, that that much is very very true. It's only in the uh, I think we got up to like ninety three today. Tomorrow we're supposed to get up to the hundreds, but I'm in the flatlands of Oklahoma. I don't have uh, scenic palm trees or desert or anything like that. I've just got uh, cows and prairie and a lot of misery. So. Uh, <laughs> At least uh, you, you guys have good scenery. Okay, hold on a minute, Chris. Are you describing what you, where you live, or are you describing the hockey season since about March 11th? <laughs> yeah, take your pick, right? I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of been a bleak uh, been a bleak outlook here for a couple of months. Okay, so what I've seen over the last few months is that uh, it. Everything is in flux, right? I mean, the NHL is making the first move, and, and we got our fingers crossed, all of us, that that continues to move on. But uh, NCAA is still kind of just wait and see, wait and see. Uh, ACHA at the moment, wait and see, wait and see. Um, when does this all have to break, Chris, or is there not a drop-dead date, so to speak? Well, I, I, think, I think, Scott, that – we're coming, we're approaching the tipping point. Um, you know, the, you mentioned the NHL and um, it's, they're fun to, they're fun to follow, but they're not really what we're, what I think that we're paying attention to in terms of uh, from the ACHA or from the Western Collegiate Hockey League perspective. And that's because the NHL is its own little entity and they have, they have an awful lot of uh, resources at their beck and call that they can, you know, they can utilize in terms of testing. They have all the money. They can test guys, you know, every day, all day for whatever they want to do. Um, and they can put them in a bubble, right? They're going to put them in two bubbles, Edmonton and Toronto. Right. Um, 
you know, just if you look from our conference perspective, we're going to have 10 bubbles um, and, you know, each university. And uh, I would, I think it's fair to say that there are some programs within our 10 team conference that have the resources to, uh, to, to test kids on a fairly regular basis. But then there are some that aren't going to have those same resources. Um, so it's, you know, I think we're following more the, uh, the NCAA and not so much, uh, you know, it, that's kind of a misnomer. It's not, the NCAA isn't going to make the call here. It's going to be the individual uh, conferences and the universities. And we had one of those dominoes drop earlier today. And I think this, um, I think, um, I think it's all going to come to head probably about the next week, 10 days. Yeah. You mentioned that. I think you're referring to the Ivy league schools, right? Deciding they're going to hold off till, uh, till January for their sports. Correct. That's right. The Ivy League earlier today decided that they were going to cancel all their fall sports. And as, as with regard to their winter sports like basketball and hockey, um, they're prohibited from uh, competition before January 1st. They're going to be allowed to um, practice and you know get together within their own guidelines of their local whatever you know municipality that they're in, you know, whatever, wherever. Uh, you know, whatever the good folks of Cambridge, Massachusetts say for the guys in Harvard, whatever the good folks for uh, uh, up there in, in Dartmouth, in Vermont, say for um, for that school, you know, whatever the good folks in Cor- around the in the Cornell, the Albany area say for uh, for the Big Red, um, you know, then that's what those those guys are going to be able to do in terms of practicing. There's no uniform thing, but yeah, they're and those are that's six six major college hockey programs that have basically been taken away from what the 40, uh, 40 team NCAA division one landscape for, you know, the first half of the season. More than that, Chris, 61 now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. But there's, but there's six out of six, six out of 61 NCAA programs that one tenth is gone in one day. Exactly. Uh, and, you probably didn't hear our show last night. If you did, I would pat you on the back for listening. But yeah. <laughs> we had College Hockey Southwest Weekly. We had uh, a sports writer from up in uh, Potsdam, New York, and uh, writing for the Watertown uh, New York Daily Times, uh, covers Clarkson and St. Lawrence. And the thing about this virus has been so crazy is he was saying that in their community, there's only two cases, two active cases uh, in Potsdam, New York, or whatever. And yeah. uh, he, he said, up here, we're kind of like in our own little bubble, too, because we're not really seeing what New York City or what Phoenix and Arizona and all those places are seeing. So I would guess, you know, from an ACHA perspective and even the WCHL uh, perspective, it's really hard when you have such a wide variety, right? Yeah, it's all over the map. And when you don't have – not, not going to be political, but when you don't have any uh, – when you don't have one firm message, when you don't have one firm directive, and instead what you have is a what we talked about the last time I was on, which is a hodgepodge of um, rules and regulations, uh, whether they come down from your state, your city, your municipality, your university, you know, the university leadership, um, it's it does it makes it very very difficult. It makes it very difficult. I'm, uh, you know, New York is, you know, they're one of the few uh, states that hammered on this very hard you can see on the your local news you, you can render your own judgment on to their leadership and how effective that's been 
um, versus, you know, take a look at some of the states now where things are going crazy, um, whether it's here in Oklahoma or Texas, uh, Arizona. I mean, I think our three states have were lucky enough to be added to the banned list, right, for uh, New York, <laughs> yeah, right? right? I think we... If, what if an we, honor. <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. If we decide to hop on an airplane and, and go somewhere, we'd immediately go to quarantine for 14 days. And so uh, it's, it's just maddening. And you can't see... Uh, I mean, just think about that. If U of A wants to go play Stony Brook right now, uh, they're going to have to hop on a plane out of Tucson, land in Long Island, play the games, but then they're stuck there for 14 days. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that's not going to work. You know, uh, and kind of a follow-up to that, Chris, and how strange this is, is uh, I talked to somebody the other day and I said, you know, here's here's the real deal that I see with COVID-19, right? Best case scenario, and this is if you contract the disease, uh, uh-huh. Best case scenario is you get to spend 14 days in quarantine. I don't know anybody that wants to spend 14 days in quarantine, even if you have no symptoms whatsoever. That's yeah. just not a fun thing, right? And that's the best case scenario. Then you look at the stories that are being out there about the, the people that have been uh, in ICU units and had, have survived it. But I watched a story the other day of a guy in his mid-50s that um, had been in a coma, uh, an induced coma, for 55 days came out, he had to learn how to walk, he was still on uh, going through rehab and learning how to breathe again. I mean, it, it's just a terrible thing. And then the ultimate one, of course, is death. So, I mean, when you talk about what this can do to somebody, um, it, it's it's very, not only widespread, but wide-ranging, right? I mean, there's nothing that that's good about it. If you get the flu and you come back in three or four days and you're fine and you go, but just that 14-day quarantine puts a mess on trying to do any kind of scheduling. Yeah, it really does. You know, if you if you tell me, uh, if or, or you know, Scott and Stephen, you guys say, hey, you've got to spend 14 days quarantine on a beach, then I'm in. You know, put me in, put me <laughs> in for for a while. But if I'm going to do 14 days and try to play a sport or try to do some work or you know, try to live a life that's, you know, something other than just a vacation, um, then yeah, that, that, that can kind of cramp your style. So it's, you know, and, and I, I get it. You hear, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of opinions say, Oh, you know, we're overreacting. It's, you know, not a whole lot of people, um, a whole lot of people recover from this. The whole lot of people have it and they don't even know they have it. They're asymptomatic, but you know, there's, you know, there's 130,000 people plus right now that we wish didn't have this. And uh, as you say, Scott, there's a lot of people who are, you know, filling up hospital rooms right now that, um, uh, you know, shouldn't have this. And I, I saw something on uh, on one of the news reports last night from it. It was talking to a doctor and said, if, it, if everybody were to wear masks um, and just when they go outside and not necessarily... Uh, you know, 24-7, but just when you're outside in the general public. Um, it would reduce the, the death count by 45,000 people if everybody in America, 90% of the people in America would wear a mask. And, you know, it's, it's, if that's all we've got to do, you know, to, uh, to stop people from dying, to stop 50,000 or 40,000 people from dying, I mean, I don't think that's too much of an ask. We're not asking you to, you know, whip out your wallet and spend $100 or, you know, take pills or anything. It's just wear a mask. And yeah, when you dial it back to what we're talking about here in terms of playing a game, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it, it makes it really, really difficult when, you, when you're trying to schedule, when you're trying to practice, you know, it's a team sport. It's a contact sport. It's a violent sport that we love. Um, and it's, you know, what are guys doing? You have 21 guys packed like sardines on a tight bench. They're, it's an anaerobic sport and they're just, you know, going lights out for 30, 45 seconds on the ice. And then they come back for the next two to three minutes on the bench and try to recover. And what are they doing? They're breathing heavily, drinking, you know, out of communal things, you know, their, their water bottles and all of those don't seem to, uh, be the right ingredients to mix with pandemic right now. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough to see how, uh, especially when you compare to where we, you know, we canceled our national tournament uh, in March when this, you know, thing really flared up and, you know, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say that we're in a better spot today than we were back in March. So it's, you know, it's, I think things are going in there. Things were looking very good for a, for a while there, but, um, uh, you know, right now I'd say the past, what, week, week or so of all the reports of, uh, you know, spikes and whatnot, it sure, it's, it's sure not looking like things are trending in the direction we want it to trend so that we can safely play a sport that we love. So, so Christy, I want to touch on that for a minute. Uh, you, you know, when we talked, uh, you know, the ACHA, when they came out with the announcement that they're, they're going to move forward with the season, you're right, things seem to be in a better yeah. position. But now, you know, we're seeing everything kind of, bike back up and and I mean I don't know how much you should but what is the the league working on now is 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 that still the plan to move forward or is or is there going to be and, and if it does move forward what does that look like in the fall I mean uh, is there going to be uh, what sort of protocols may be implemented for teams and and things and, and likelihood of fans or no fans in the stands um, and how much can you share on any of that well, sure I mean let's let's talk with the easiest thing first you know with with a few exceptions and you're, you're blessed with some of them uh, there at U of A and at UNLV um, in terms of fans. Uh, fans of the ACHA games, for the most part, are, are not really a problem, right? We're, I think the kids that play ACHA hockey play it for, uh, truly play it for the love of the game. And they're not playing it for the people in the stands, uh, except for if you're in a, a blessed place like Tucson or in Las Vegas or Missouri State packs them in, Iowa State packs them in. Uh, but other places, you're playing in front of friends, family, girlfriends, boyfriends, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so hopefully social distancing in the crowd won't be a problem if we're lucky enough to play. Um, uh, you know, but we're, again, it's going to be, it, it's this hodgepodge of uh, decisions that have, we're going to have to come from university leaders and uh, state and local municipality leaders um, that um, we're, we're subject to. Right now, the, the from the ACHA's perspective, and, and I don't, you know, I'm not part of the, um, I'm not part of the board or the leadership, if you will, of the ACHA. But I, I speak to those guys or uh, on a regular basis, or fairly regular basis, like every day. Um, but uh, I, you know, so I don't want to, I don't just want to say that I'm speaking for them because I, but I have a sense that what they're going to do is. Um, gauge, you know, like I said, to the Ivy League's announcement today was um, was a very important um, uh, domino or a very important element uh, for their deliberations. Um, some schools have already declared um, that they're not going to be able to play uh, for the fall. Michigan, Dearborn, a top ten 
ACHA school has already said that they're not going to be able to play. Um, there's a team in the in here in the Western Collegiate Hockey League. In fact, in the uh, in in the five team division out west, uh, I'm not going to say the name because they haven't publicly announced it, but privately they've said that they're not going to be able to play. They've been told they're not going to be able to play for the fall 2020. Um, and so uh, there are, and that's just ACHA men's division one. Rutgers is another one. Rutgers has been told that they can't play for fall 2020. Um, in ACHA men's two and men's three, and at the women's levels, there are some other teams that have also been told that they can't play. So we're, those are trickling in right now. I think, Stephen, in answer to your question, um, the ACHA is right now, as we sit here on July the 8th, is uh, of the mindset that, yeah, we're going to give it a go in September with the teams that are able to go. However, I think if in the next week to 10 days there are more teams or more conferences or, uh, that say, um, sorry, we're going to focus on public health versus uh, uh, club sports or intramural sports or varsity sports, whatever you want to call it, um, we're going to focus on that dynamic um, and so that you know, what, 20, 30 teams all of a sudden can't play ACHA men's one. Uh, then I think we would there'd be a strong consideration of pushing things off to January. And, and also too, if if you're if you're able to play games, you know we're seeing what baseball's trying to do. Where they they've come out with like this 100 and some pages of, of protocols that players are supposed to follow. Not saying that the ACHA would come out with 100 pages of stuff, but could there be something where you'd see maybe some sort of suggestions or regulations of how the players need to in the in the staff and the in the teams operate to try to maintain safe? Or is that going to be more on would that be more on a university basis working with their facilities there, or, or is that something that the league can try to do? If they're going to play games, how can they do it safely? Yeah, I, th I think, Stephen, in answer to, to that question, it would be more of, the, more of the, the latter than the former. It's going to be more up to the local um, municipalities. I don't – and this is – from an organizational standpoint, I don't think the ACHA wants to uh, or can just because of the, of the size. I don't think that they're going to be able to dictate who can do what because – I mean, let's just look at you've, – you've got ASU that plays out of Oceanside. Uh, uh, Arizona plays out of the TCC. Vegas plays out of the City National Arena. GCU plays out of Arcadia. All four of those are, you know, totally different venues and are going to have totally different requirements um, in terms of, you know, access, in terms of – um, protocols that can be followed in terms, uh, in, in ways to stay um, uh, safe, in whether it's socially distant or, you know, uh, cleaning or, or, you know, the bigger. There's bigger locker rooms down at the TCC and the City National Arena than there are at Oceanside and at Arcadia. Um, there's more seating available. There's um, you know, just in terms of you know public access. You know, everybody walks in through the front doors of Oceanside, whereas you can kind of come in through the uh, through the big Zam doors down there in Tucson, right? So it's um, everything is different. So I don't think there's a cookie cutter um, uh, protocol that the conference or that the uh, or that the ACHA as an organization can, can could put out that would fit that would be a one size fits all for all of the teams. And again, that's right. You know the NHL is fun to follow, but they kind of have a different perspective, right? They do have 32 sheets of ice that are exactly the same, and so they can create protocols 
they're a, such an organization where they can. The NCAA can't do that. Um, the ACHA is. Uh, so I think we're going to be following more along the NCAA guidelines, and um, you know, it's, we're, we're not going to be able to impose anything. We might be able to make a suggestion or two, but we're not going to be able to impose anything like the NHL can. So, Chris, on, on a hypothetical uh, type, boy, if we can if we can say it even that way, but let, let's sure. just say that we we determine, and I say we, uh, the majority of the teams say, hey, we want to just push things off till twenty twenty one. Uh, a, is that realistic? And B, uh, how would that affect things? Um, I, I've talked to a couple of coaches, and a couple of things they're concerned with, um, and I'll let you answer the question, is uh, they're worried about their players. If, if their university doesn't come back till 2021 and their students uh, go online classes, um, wondering if they'll want to come back in January for a second semester to play a half a season or to play an abbreviated season or however that would be, um, so two barter. A is it realistic, and B uh, is it something that can be accomplished and is talked about? Um, well, two two part answer to both, and it's the same. And yes, it can be done, and yes, it is being discussed. Um, obviously, we're we're very concerned. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of balls that are or plates, if you want. To, I was going to say balls juggling in the air. Or, for old timers like me, remember the uh, variety <laughs> shows where guys would spin plates all the time. Lots um, of plates in the air. I hear you. <laughs> there you go. Lots of, yeah. So there's, you know, the one, of the the other uh, dimension that you didn't mention in your question um, is there are a lot of kids that play UCHA hockey that are international students, and we've just had some uh, some some directive come down from the uh, uh, federal administration that says, hey, if your school is going all online for the fall semester, you've got to get the heck out of the country. Um, and so, you know, from that little tinge, uh, you know, if there's a, a Swedish player or a uh, Russian player that's playing on an ACHA men's division one team and that school decides to go online only for the fall, uh, all of a sudden that, you know, that young man or, or woman doesn't have a choice. He's going to have to, you know, get out of the country in order to stay, um, you know, good in terms of his immigration status. And will that person then want to come back in the spring just to play a uh, one season of hockey? Um, I get it. You know, who, who knows? I get the coach's concern because, yeah, if you're not, if you're not playing in the fall, um, you know, are you, are you going to stay in shape? Um, you know, we've got to remember we're talking about, 18 to 24 year old college men and women, and you know, they're, they, you know, God bless them. They they're they're awesome, uh, but they're also 18 to 24 year old men and women. You know, they think they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and oh, I don't need to keep working out, or I can I can do what I want to do, that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, if you if we take the fall semester off and with an intent start in January, like the Ivy League is going to do. Um, will they be able to gather? Will they be able to continue to practice, lift, weight training, on ice, off ice? Uh, will they be able to do that? That's a major concern. And yeah, will they lose? Will they just say the heck with this? I'm, I like being a college student. Uh, I, I'm going to take this year off from, uh, you know, from playing hockey and I'll see you guys in fall of 2021. Uh, so that's a, that's a, that's a huge, and it's a valid concern, I think, for ACHA coaches. 
Now, in terms of scheduling, is it something that the ACHA has looked at? It absolutely is. I think I mentioned before um, to when I was on last, if not, you know, it's been a while. It said two months ago. Um, the ACHA, we're, we're planning to have nationals in Boston. It's supposed to right now go, I think, sometime in, um, I want to say it's like March 26th through the 31st uh, in Boston in Marlboro at the uh, New England Sports Center. We talked to, when we, the ACHA, has talked to uh, the New England Sports Center. They are able to bump nationals back by about three weeks. Um, you know, we have to we have to be careful uh, because we're we're coming up on two things that are kind of bookending us in April. There's the Easter holiday, um, which I believe is the I think it's the first Sunday in April this year. Um, so we have to uh, be aware of that, hyper aware of that. We also come up on schools have uh, different times for graduations and finals, so we can't go too deep into April because that last week in April is usually for schools that uh, that's their, usually that's their finals week for, for some schools. Uh, some schools have finals, uh, you know, the first week or two of May, but some have in the last week of uh, of April, and for so they can graduate in the first week of May. So we talked to the New England Sports Center uh, again when I say we, it's the CHA. Um, there's a window of opportunity where we can, where the ACHA can move nationals back uh, by about three weeks. So that if we do get a late start and run in January, again, that would presumably be January 1st uh, start, we could probably get another two to three weekends worth of games in there. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be tight. and We're not going to have an awful lot of... Right now, most ACHA Division One teams play what somewhere around thirty to thirty-four games a season. You know, uh, we're, just by looking at that calendar, you're talking about maybe playing eighteen to twenty games, and that's like every weekend, no rest. So, again, dial it back to the coach's concern that we talked about. We've got kids that are sitting around for the fall semester, not necessarily getting on the ice. Not playing games, and then all of a sudden you're going to throw them into the grinder of a constant season, you know, in a compressed season from January to March to play in uh, April. Yeah, there's some, I think coaches have every right and reason to be concerned about um, player safety and injuries and, you know, uh, their health. So, and then that's, that's just discounting. That's even pretending that the virus isn't around, right? That's just concerns of playing. So that, that's a long way to answer. That's a long way around to answer your, your question. <laughs> too easy word. So I hope I, I hope I got that. No problem. Uh, we we are getting a little bit of a, a background noise on you there, so I don't know if there's anything that you can do to do that. But something's uh -oh. popping around there back, so uh, we're yeah, we're doing it on our end to see if we can figure it out, but. Your, your mic is very talking. sensitive, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just working on some earpods, so I'm okay. sitting, sitting here on the couch with uh, with a cat lined up next to me. And I'll, well, I'll just grab his neck. Can we just blame it on the cat? <laughs> blame, blame, the, blame the dang cat. That's what I do all the time. Oh, yeah. uh, so anyway, as a quick follow-up to that, which was a very difficult question to answer, is, uh, you know, teams are scheduling now. I mean, Stephen can attest to this. UNLV's got a golf tournament already slated for the 27th of August. Uh, their yeah. schedule's done. They've announced it. 
everything. Um, everybody else out here, though, is is really mum. I mean, I had a chance to visit with uh, with Danny Roy over at GCU last week for a feature we do called the Sunday Special, and he just built locker rooms and completely remodeled it. The place looked fantastic, and and he's going like, I have no idea what's going to happen, but. He said, "All we can do is keep moving forward and, and hope for the best." And and Chad down at uh, U of A is kind of holding things and not really saying much. Uh, and certainly at Arizona State, their mum's the word until football gets going for everything. They're not even talking NCAA schedule at this point. So, how difficult is that uh, to to do a mass schedule for teams that are? Uh, you know, when one team is scheduling and one isn't, and, and one thinks they might be going right away and one thinks they might not, uh, that's got to be just a nightmare. Yeah, it's 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 not fun. I had a conference call with, uh, with our conference coaches about, uh, I guess it's been about a month ago now. And um, I told the guys that if it, if, if we had some interruptions in the season, whether it's a late start or a, a start and a stoppage and then a restart, we're just going to lop the schedule off that we missed and then run from there. Um, so it, it's, it's no fun. And, you know, I know that there are, you know, UNLV is not alone. There are a lot of schools that plan their fundraisers, a lot of programs, I'm sorry, that have planned their fundraisers, um, you know, coming up to, that's how they kick off their season. That's where they make a lot of, uh, do a lot of fundraising and make a lot of their money to start the season. And it's, yeah, it's, it's no fun to kind of have these plates spinning, these you know balls being up in the air that we're juggling here. It's uh, it's kind of difficult, and so um, uh, we're you know if if it turns out you know if we have to go the Ivy League route, you know we'll just lose that first half of the the, the fall season, all those games. We won't try to reschedule them. Uh, we'll just let the uh, teams go. Now, uh, you know. Teams are going to, there's going to be a mad scramble. And, um, uh, you know, if, if there's an opening uh, where we can reschedule some games or, or, or we can, uh, if we have additional weekends added to the season uh, because Nationals is uh, uh, pushed back, then, yeah, I'm going to try to schedule some conference games in there and we'll, we'll do some, uh, we'll, we'll do an awful lot of, as you said, uh, mad scrambling, but, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's no fun kind of being in this limbo state right now. And I can't imagine what it's like to, to be a coach trying to, uh, you know, talk to your kids, talk to your administration, uh, talk to your, you know, your, your conference or organization leadership. It's, uh, it's not a very good position to be in. It's, this is not, this is not ideal. How about that? We can all agree on that. This is not an ideal situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Steven, you got another one for uh, for Chris? Steven's had enough. I've got no good I've got nothing <laughs> good to say for Steven's questions, do I? I've got no good answers for him. Are we still getting that background interference going on there? Uh on and off, but not too bad right now. Steven, are you still with me? So, sorry, yeah, I I thought uh, I put myself on mute there, you know, I that way I during the moments there, but um, no, it's been some great answers so far. No, I, I guess it's just, you know, I guess if you're just a, if you're just the schools, my guess is, you know, like we said with UNLV, they, they went forward and they already, you know, planning to go forward. You know, they announced uh, season ticket stuff. They announced, you know, their, their golf tournament. They, they, they're making plans. I guess that's really the approach that every, 
every school's got to kind of do, I guess, or maybe it's different for each school, you know, kind of go forward with thinking you're going to do it. And then if you have to adjust, at least that way you've, you've prepared and prepare for all scenarios. I, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right, Stephen. I think you, where we have to, uh, uh, you know, plan for hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And, uh, you know, let's, let's hope that we're able to play as scheduled starting in September and uh, let's hope that we're able to have a, a full season, but, you know, let's also be, uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that we might have to, uh, you know, might have to have a, a short pause in the middle of the season, or we might not get going until January. Uh, so let's plan, plan for, hope for the best and plan for the worst. That's kind of and, what, we're, what we're doing. Right. And, and I guess, you know, you talked about the schedule and how you, you would have to maybe adjust that or you would just nix off uh, this part up to January. I guess, is there a certain amount of games or, I mean, I know this is such a unique circumstance this season, what we could experience this season. Um, but like, you know, talking about like getting teams in for the, the national tournament and, and making that fair and making sure that, you know, what is, is there a, a minimum number of games that you would, would be ideal that would make it, you know, to make it seem like it would be like a, a fair season to getting in, or is it just going to be just kind of a, all just going to be kind of like crazy. And, well, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be all, yeah, all crazy and unpredictable. Um, you know, in the, in our, in a normal season, uh, the ACHA has a, at the men's division one level, we have a rule that you have to play at least 20 men's division one games in order to qualify for nationals. And in a normal season, um, games start in September. They roll through what the end of February, and we have rankings that come out every week. Right. Um, and we don't. And you'll notice that we don't start our computer rankings until November because if we do the rankings in September, they're just all over the place, and it's not an accurate read. Some would argue that uh, if you do the rankings even in November, they're not very accurate because you need more games, no, more data points. Those. All those games build upon themselves uh, in, in order to, you know, at the end of February, land on an accurate set of rankings. Well, here we are in a pandemic if and we might, you know, we're facing the very real possibility that we might not be able to get a full season in. Um, so I think the way, Stephen, that that's going to go is that um, the ACHA was, is, is, is not going to require that you actually have played 20 games they just want to make sure that you had at least 20 games on your schedule um, before the pandemic and they were canceled because of, uh, you know, so if you, if you end up, let's say you're, I'm just pulling a name, but let's say you're Utah and you're only able to play 18 games because you're, you know, another 12 of your games have been canceled due to the pandemic. The ACHA is not going to say, Utah, you're not eligible. You had 30 games on your schedule. You're good to go. And that's, you know, that's kind of an archaic rule um, that was put into place uh, a long time ago. Really big, you know, we ought to call it the Leo Golombieski rule for down there in Arizona because he would load up with uh, six Division One <laughs> games and then uh, 400 games against uh, Long Beach and Nowhere <laughs> State. And he'd always cry on the radio show afterwards that, by God, the ACHA is against us. They're not going to let us into nationals. And, you know, you got to – in, you know, you got to play Division One games to be Division One eligible, and he would never do it. So that rule is there, and uh, uh, I think that rule is going to be waived or not waived, but modified 
for because of this pandemic. Now, in terms of, um, you know, it's, the, the, it gets it's going to get funky with the rankings too. Because if we get yeah. started in January, like the Ivy League guys, and we end in late March, that's really what twelve weeks of potential games, assuming you can play all twelve weekends. And um, yeah, I, you know, your rankings. We might have to we might have to find another. Uh, we might have to go to another uh, ranking methodology, or uh, you know, add in a add in an extra ingredient. You know, maybe they'll maybe they'll ask for the commissioner's vote or the podcast uh, vote. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to say maybe that's what it's going to become a people's yeah. choice vote. Yeah, because it, it the could. Yeah, because the challenge I could see is that you, I, 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 some schools I know they, they they book a lot of their games real early on in the season where they're playing the. T- I mean, every game it seems like they're good opponents, but. But it's a lot of teams booked a lot of the early part of their schedule against tougher teams, and maybe the, some of the easier games per se, if there's such a thing, might be in the later half, or more of the conference games are early in the season later. So if you cut half the schedule out and you're only playing the second half without rescheduling, there could be some unbalancedness, and, and the rankings are determined a lot by you know the goal differential and the formula there, which I, I still can't figure out. But that's for another day. But you know there's still a lot of factors there, so that there would have to be probably another method that you would use just for this season. Uh, yeah, like I said, there probably there might have to be a human touch added in there. Um, but you're right. When you build this, if, I know the schedule's not out um, for at least for all of them. But when I build the schedule, I can tell you that um, conference games don't begin until October first, and then uh, and they roll through the first weekend of December, and then they start up again, uh, kind of like the last weekend in January. Um, and then they roll through the end of February. So that leaves two, basically two really big windows of time from September to October. And then, um, the first couple of weekends in January where you can get in some non-conference games and that's what teams do. And that's where you make, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all great to have a conference. I'm I'm not knocking any conferences. Um, it's because conference games are what gets the rivalries and, and everything going. But when what really helps for rankings is the cross-pollination of non-conference games. When the Minots and the Jamestowns of the world come down to Vegas or, or Arizona to play, or when you know, the Oklahomas go to Iowa State and Lindenwood to play, the, that cross-pollination helps in terms of the rankings. It kind of levels things out. And if we're having a shortened, a truncated season, I can see two things happening, Stephen. And one of them is a lot of those non-conference games are going to go out the window. Minot's going to sit there and say, sorry, guys, you know, I might not want to come to Arizona. Actually, it's probably going to go the other way around. The Arizona teams are going to go, sorry, guys, I don't want to go to Minot in January or February, right? Um, and, um, and so we're going to be looking at a lot more conference games um, than we than we normally would, and is that how is that going to affect the rankings? Is it going to kind of create a like a silo effect where that cross pollination isn't isn't there? That, so it allows the computer to kind of see, well, hey, this team played Liberty and this team played UNLV, and they have a common opponent. So yeah, you know, I, I I understand the ranking a little bit. I'm not a computer, Stephen, so don't don't. There's no shame in not understanding <laughs> how it totally works. <laughs> but you know you, that. But you need that. You need people playing one another um, over the course of the season to get a clear, you know, get a clear picture of where the rankings ought to be. And if you look over the past ten years, you know, the ranking, the computer don't lie. The computers, uh, the number one or number two team has been in the national championship game. I think for the last ten years running. Yeah. 
So the computer gets a lot of it right. Uh, the question will be, this in this crazy, unpredictable season that we're talking about coming up, will the computer be able to get it right? I don't know. It might need an assist from the Scott and the Stephen podcast show here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, you never know. We uh, we might be able to throw our two cents in. Uh, I want to talk about something positive, Chris, because we've, we've talked about this with you the last couple of times. We've had you on the show, and, and things yeah. just continue to build. And here it is, right? Uh, I told all the, all the coaches in the desert southwest, I said, I think there's an arms race going on. Because you guys are all competing to see who can put together the best roster of players. And, and it's unique. And, and hear me out on this just for a second. Uh, UNLV okay. is going out and they're getting a lot of talented hockey players and bringing them in to build. Uh, Arizona is doing it a little differently. They're focusing on the guys that they have and trying to keep a Bailey Marshall and a, and a uh, Cusinelli and and then trying to add some pieces to fill in where maybe injuries took them out or whatever to solidify their end of it. Arizona yeah. State, uh, when we had Tate on, he told me that um, he really has recruited a bunch of players for his D1, D2, D3 teams, and he's kind of letting the, the cream rise to the top. And then you look at what Danny's done, and he's gone out and said, hey, we need to get much better if we're going to compete for a conference title and a national title. And he's went out and recruited guys from everywhere that he could find them. I, I joked with him that he brought half the state of Minnesota down, I think, in this yeah. recruiting class. But but as the commissioner of this conference and with these teams coming in right now, you got to be really thrilled with just the level of uh, compete and level quality player that's coming here. Yeah, I'm, I'm – uh, to, to say that I'm thrilled um, is is an understatement. I'm you know I'm proud. I'm 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 pleased. And I'm proud to serve as the commissioner for these teams. Um, I'm proud of the conference uh, as a whole, and I'm proud of all the individual teams that are that are in the conference. Um, it's uh, I, I realize that there's there are other conferences around that might claim to be more. Um, competitive, you know, we, we have, there's, there's one team that has one conference that has five teams in it. And I think four of the five teams are like in the top 15 all the time in central States league. And they're very good. Don't get me wrong, but um, you, you point to me a 10 team conference where everybody is uh, competitive top to bottom. Everybody week in week out has a um, just a class organization and they're bringing in, sure, they're, as you point out, they're building their programs in different ways. Some are, you know, uh, going the long route and like U of A and getting guys that commit to four and five years. Some are getting some, uh, you know, one and dones like uh, what happens at, you know, at Las Vegas sometimes. They're, they're going kind of the Kentucky basketball route, right? Getting some of the better players, and but they're not there as long. Um, but, yeah, I'm very, very pleased and very proud of, the, the individuals that run these organizations um, and uh, with how they conduct themselves and with how they comport themselves both as organizations and as a conference within the ACHA Men's Division One, I realize I oversee two conferences in uh, Men's Division One. the other one being Midwest College Hockey. Um, and, but the Western Collegiate Hockey League is my baby. It's, uh, I call it the A Conference, and I think it sets the standard for which all other conferences in the ACHA, not just men's division one, but all of ACHA um, uh, should follow and model themselves after because there, there are 10 class organizations 
10 um, class leaders at the top of each organization. And, um, you know, they're, they're doing things their way, but they all have their, um, they all respect one another. They want to beat the ever loving heck out of each other on the ice, but off the ice, they're all, uh, you know, I'm not going to say we're all, you know, singing Kumbaya or anything, but we're, we're respectful of, of, of one another. And they all have the singular, uh, goal of, we want to get as many teams from the conference as we can to nationals. And we want a, another national champion, uh, to come from the Western Collegiate Hockey League. We've got three so far, actually four, three national championships, um, uh, you know, two from central Oklahoma and one from Arizona state. We'd love to get a fourth. And, um, so I'm very, very proud of the conference, very proud of the members of the conference. And it's, it's insane when you look at the, the talent level, top to bottom from all of the schools. Um, what a, just what a great opportunity the ACHA is and just how strong they've become. I mean, look, we, we were talking about coach Golombieski and I'm not bagging on him, but let's bag on his, his teams here for a little bit. <laughs> you know, they weren't very competitive those last few years. And now, look, you've got Coach Berman, who's top 10 ACHA men's division one. You had uh, Arizona State, who's, you know, they've been on a roller coaster for years and years and years. Um, and Coach Green, Coach Power's got it going, and Coach Green's kept it rolling. You know, they're a top 20 power um, year in and year out. UNLV, um, you know, they were – when they, they were great for a little while there at men's division two. And, uh, you know, then they kind of fell off the face of the earth and then they came back under, you know, the current leadership that they have now and bumped up to men's division one and look at them, a top 10, 15 team consistently. Um, you know, and, and Danny's doing a great job at GCU. He's, um, you know, he'd always come down and uh, pop ASU or U of A upside the head at least once during the season, um, you know, when he was playing his division two, just when he was getting started and now they're men's division one, he's, he's recruiting, as you said, um, it seems like half of all the hockey players in all the world. I'm surprised he has <laughs> announced either one of you two as commitments. Um, cause he, he only has a, a hundred guys committed this year, but, uh, he's, I, I he's doing him, a great job. I asked him uh, the other day when I was there, I said, where are you going to put all these guys? Cause you got a D1 to D2 team. I said, you're going to stash people under the, the bleachers just in case or what? Because yeah. you've got a stack of players. But, um, you know, I, I know we're running out of time because uh, uh, we like to talk. And uh, Yes, I, I do. Ask, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no problem. We, that's what yeah, we love having you on. That's what a podcast is for, right? To talk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. A couple of things I want to end on, though, uh, Chris, if we can, is uh, – you know, we talked about uh, all the different scenarios that, that could be out there, and I think everybody's doing a great job of just kind of taking it one day at a time, which you have to do. And, um, you know, kind of on a little more somber note, but what I'll try to do like every month or so is I'll put a little tweet out uh, from from the state of Arizona, and I'll try to put things as far as the COVID goes into perspective. And uh, I think back to that horrific bus crash up in in Saskatchewan a couple of years ago now and how we lost players like that. And if you put it in perspective, at least hockey's perspective and Arizona right now is approaching 2000 deaths. And if you put that into, you know, 20 man hockey teams, for example, and you say, what would have happened if we would have lost a hundred hockey teams, what would the impact be and how would people be reacting? Um, just because it's a virus 
doesn't mean those lives are any less important. Yeah, it's um, it's it's tough, and that's why you know uh, that, that's why we're focusing on uh, facts, and that's why we're focusing on public health. I know it's it's fun sometimes. You have people that are wearing you know everything is tribal these days. It seems in America, you're either wearing blue or you're wearing red. You're either got an R or a D. You're either for or against. And unfortunately, this virus doesn't give a rip, you know, about any of that stuff. It just wants to come and hurt us. And so we're, uh, we, we've all got to just focus on uh, public health first and foremost, because if we don't have our health, then none of this, whether it's this podcast or my conference or any hockey games or going to school, none of it matters. And so, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's always good to kind of keep it in perspective. If you, if you had a, a hundred of those, uh, just awful bus crashes. And I mean, that was just one that just rippled through it still. I mean, I've still got hockey sticks yeah. outside of my door, um, yeah. you know, to remember those kids. Um, it's yeah. Can you imagine that's, and that's one out of 50 States. Yes. with a hundred bus crashes. So that's why we're, we're going to focus on public health. We're going to focus on science and facts and we're going to do, it might not be the, you know, I, I don't want to be the, the, the bringer of the harvester of sorrow, if you will, to bring Metallica to the podcast. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bring nothing but doom and gloom, but um, you know, we're, we're, I want to be as optimistic as possible. Uh, yet we also have to be realistic and, if we lose one kid when we shouldn't have, then that's one kid too many. And I, and and we're, we're, we talk about the kids. What about the old guys like us that are at the rink or the yeah. people that are running the Zamboni or what about the, you know, the scorekeepers or the, the people in the stands? I mean, there's, there's a lot more to college hockey than just 21 knuckleheads on each bench. Right. There's, right. there's a whole community. And so we're worried about that whole community because, um, you know, I, I, we're, we're, we're spoiled. We're very, very spoiled. And, um, I, I want to, I kind of like being spoiled. And so that's why this thing, that's why this thing really sucks, uh, because it, it takes away our, our joy. It takes away our passion. But if it means, you know, if it means that we've got to sit out a semester so that we can play another 20 or another hundred, uh, years without ever being worried about the coronavirus, I'm okay for sitting on a couple of months. Um, if that's what it, if that's what it means, you know, get a I think science and facts and uh, public safety, the public health concerns are going to be driving us uh, the most. Uh, it's going to really stink if there are no games in in September. And I hope that we're playing in September. I hope I hope that the next time we talk in another two months, we're talking about games. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> or yeah, as, as opposed to uh, games that have been played or are getting ready to get played, as opposed to well, when do you think we're going to be able to start up next? Um, right. I hope I hope that's where we end up. Um, but you know, just look around and you know, realistically, you know, we're we're probably going to be sitting here talking in two months, saying, well, maybe maybe it's going to get better in another, you know, by January. I I, I don't know. I've I, I hope I'm wrong. Again, it it all boils back to plan for the worst to hope for the best. And, uh, you know, I hope that there's a vaccine that's developed tomorrow that can work. 
Uh, Boy, wouldn't but, that be a godsend? Oh, uh, yeah, because it'd make life a lot easier for uh, not just for us hockey dopes, but for, you know, everybody world. else in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Well, Chris, as always, we appreciate your time. I know it's uh, a couple hours later for you out there. Stephen and I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving your perspective because, you know, your perspective is so deep on many different areas, and it really makes a big difference for our, our audience to hear um, you know, from your position, uh, what things are like and, and your optimism and yet you're realistic. So uh, I think that's very important and I can't thank you enough for joining us. And I promise it'll be sooner than two months next time. Well, that's, that's fine. Just know I'm always available. <laughs> um, even if it is the middle of the night out here in the flatlands. And so uh, just, so I just, I want to say thanks to you, Scott and to Steven and to Terry there behind the scenes for, putting up with me, but also for promoting, uh, keeping on promoting the ACHA and the Western Collegiate Hockey League and desert in the uh, hockey in the, in the desert Southwest, because, uh, you know, the kids deserve it. They deserve, uh, they deserve as much, um, attention and adulation as, as, as we can provide to them. That's why we do this. And, uh, so I just want to thank you three for, uh, putting, keeping on plugging away with this, uh, with the Scott and Stephen podcast here, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's, like it's pretty it's a pretty fun listen. That's a good so, that's so, a good that's a good ring to it. Yeah, so, yeah. so maybe club hockey Southwest Weekly's got to go bye bye. The coaches don't like it when I say club, but it's the only way I can differentiate until the ACHA gives me the right to call it the ACHA podcast. No, that's not, don't, don't, don't worry, Scott. That I don't think that's coming anytime soon. They, exactly. They don't, they don't exactly. let me do it either. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we're the Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, but Chris Perry, the uh, commissioner of the Western Collegiate Hockey League, uh, joining us. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, be safe, and uh, the next time we talk, we'll be talking. Uh, maybe we'll be talking about uh, some fundraisers going on and some fun stuff like that. Let's, let's do it. I look forward to it. You guys, be safe, wear a mask, wash your hands. Everybody stay yeah. safe out there. All right. Chris All right, Perry with Chris. the uh, Western Collegiate Hockey League. Uh, Stephen and I will take a quick break. We're going to come back and bring you a trivia question in just a second. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese... Surrounded by a fence of ribs? 
I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, Long Island iced teas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine is the brand for you. The award-winning Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine, award-winning taste since 2011. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today, at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what Dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago, and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive, too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com, and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. You find your problem with M-Drive. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. Your hometown hockey team. Your Western Collegiate Hockey League champions. Your Arizona Wildcats. Tickets for Arizona hockey are now on sale. Support your Wildcats as they battle ASU for another Cactus Cup championship and more at the Tucson Arena. Your hockey team, your Arizona Wildcats. Call 791-4101 for tickets now. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy uh, live in Scottsdale. 
Arizona with you, my co-host Stephen Marsh. Uh, yeah, we wrapped up things. <laughs> we went a little long with Chris, so I had to get a little work in there, uh, Stephen. But uh, I do want to uh, do our uh, hashtag Pucks on the Pod trivia question. Um, you put it on my shoulders today, so so here we go. You ready? Sure, fire away. <laughs> okay, we know this. Central Oklahoma won two uh, national championships in 2014 and uh, 2016. Well, that's 2014-15 season and 2016-2017 season. Um, Arizona State won a national championship prior to that. Tell me what year they won the ACHA D1 or M1 national championship and who was the coach of that team. So once again, hashtag pucks on the pod at Ice Time SW. What year did Arizona State win their national championship? Um, and who was the coach of that team? Then um, that's it. Fairly simple. If you know anything about Arizona State hockey, you should find that rather easily. Yeah. Steven, we gave you a little assignment this week to do our read. Uh, you up for that? Sure, yeah, we just heard all the commercials, and now we'll get to give some spots with some our, our partners, uh, corporate pa- partners, as we you call it, as we call it, uh, some more love. And so let's go ahead and do that real quick, as we want to remind folks that Club Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, presenting partner of the new season of Sunday Specials. Go to the best Ford dealer in Arizona. Go ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you about the summer truck and SUV sales. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best in Las Vegas, two years running. Call us to 702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. By M-Drive, par- proud partner of What Drives You. Look for new episodes twice a month at icetimehockeysw.com. M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And, and there's one about GCU up now, so make sure you check that out. By Summer Skates, Shower Shoes, Koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com. Win your Summer Skates prize pack, as you just heard with the trivia question, with the hashtag pucks on the pod. Cold beers and cheeseburgers, the place for fresh made to order burgers and more. Find one of our 12 Valley locations near you at coldbeers.com, also in Southern California. By OxyPal, clean your gear, clean your skin with all our natural cleaning products at oxypal.com. Sprint, a brighter future for all. See Andre in Paradise Valley at Cactus and Tatum and let him find you the right deal. Behind the Mask, the Valley's hockey shop for over 25 years. Go to BehindTheMask.com and see what the new season has in store for you. By College Bar and Grill, call 1-480-588-6451 to pick up dinner on the way home. College Bar and Grill, by ASU fans, for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devils Hockey Shop for all of your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and find the award-winning bottle that suits your style. By the Ice Dent, Scottsdale, and Chandler. Check our websites for skating session availability and requirements. We want to remind you that Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest West podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and can be available for download at iTunes, Podbean, the Google Play Stores, Spotify, Stitcher, and the iHeartRadio. And Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Wow. 
Well, very well done, my friend. Your first time on the read, and you did a wonderful job of it. Uh, I promise we're going to be able to talk more hockey. Chris is a great guest. We have so much to talk about, and we have him on. But, um, you know, you and I wondered if we'd have hockey to talk about all summer long, and so far so good, right? So far so good. Uh, of course, today was was uh, talking about possibility of delaying hockey, or but I think it was an important conversation. It was a great great to have him on because there has been a lot of – I think there has been some change since the ACHA had their announcement with moving forward. And we've seen with COVID, things were seen to be in a little bit better position with COVID and a few weeks ago, but we've had Memorial Day weekend and we've had 4th of July. Now people have been getting out more, maybe not being as being as prudent and, and safe as they could be. And things are changing with schools. There's better push to get people in campus in the fall. Some are so hesitant to do that. So uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, I think he's right, though. If, if, if we have to just delay it a few months so we can make sure that more people are going to be safe and we can have hockey – for years to come and, and we can get through this, then that's what needs to be done. But we'll continue to be here to talk about hockey and, and club hockey and the other shows that you have there, that we have during the week as well with the other hosts and, and talk about it and just try to make a distraction a little bit and just focus on what we do best. All right. One day at a time, folks. Mask up and uh, be safe. Stop the spread. For Stephen Marsh in Las Vegas, Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, Arizona, Roger Klein of the Peacemakers taking us away tonight after we ran a little long with De Niro. <laughs>